Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Post Podcast. Maria and Evan here today with our uh, technically our first individual guest from Canada. Right, Ev? Right. Am I right on that? I think I'm right on that. Oh, I'm lying. No, Just we did kidding. do one individual before the group. We yeah, we had one. Okay, so our our third technically Canadian podcast. Look at me forgetting. It's very exciting. Um, so area of Canada though. Exactly, a super different area of Canada, which. I'm going to tell you, this is going to be the longest introduction we've ever done. I was talking to somebody who is um, a nurse anesthetist, and he did not know that Halifax and, what is it, Prince Edward Island? Am I making that Mm -hmm. up? No, no, you're pretty right, actually. Okay, existed. I was like, have you never flown from the East Coast to Mm. Europe? Because that's like the last chunk of land before you just fly over the ocean for the next five hours and six hours until you land in Greece. Like, oh my goodness. have you not ever done this? And, uh, and they live in Canada? No, he lives, um, bless, he lives in California. So. Oh, I was going to say, there would be, be an yeah. issue there. Um, yeah. Isn't that yeah, wild? We, yeah, I mean, we get overlooked, you know, like um, some people like, even in Canada, uh, before we started um, going to like the big conferences, like, Back in the early, I think it was the mid 2000s, uh, people were like, "Oh, there's a Greek community in Halifax." I'm like, "Yeah, you know what? You're a Papuan. Yeah, but I came through Pier 21, which is actually, you know, it's our version of Ellis Island, right?" Um, mm-hmm. So, like, you know, uh, I know a lot of people from Ottawa because we're friends with a lot of them there. Um, a lot of their parents actually came through Halifax. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we get overlooked, and sometimes when I talk to Americans, they're like, "Okay, where's where is it?" And I'm like. Mm-hmm. Go go find Boston and then keep going north just a little exactly. bit. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, so welcome to the show for that <laughs> interesting introduction. For everyone who's Googling on a map, I hope um, your eyes are open to some new geography if, you, if it hasn't been before. Um, but how about you give us a little bit of a formal introduction, tell us who you are, and then we're going to take it away. Sure. Uh, so my name is uh, Aki Tsirigotis, and um, I am a I'm the one of the senior division instructors for Romeo Cine Dance Group. Um, I guess to say like just a little bit of quick thing about our group. Actually, uh, we celebrated last year our 35th anniversary as an organization. Um, unfortunately, COVID came and kind of ruined our. <laughs> it dampened a bit of our celebrations uh, that we were going to have. We were going to go to Kleonomia and perform there. We, we were going to have our Greek festival which coincidentally we were celebrating the 35th anniversary of the Greek festival. So now you can kind of put two and two together of Mm -hmm. the purpose of our dance program back in the day of why it was um, brought up. But uh, we have about 50, around 50 people uh, membership uh, in our group. Um, We usually have like a, we start at from like the ages of 12 and then we go up until 17 for our junior group. And then we have our senior group, which is, um, grade 12, senior high school, and then up to university and post-university. Uh, I still perform with my group uh, at times um, when needed, um, mm-hmm. but I like them to actually, you know, go and and I just watch and give them, you know, dirty looks or make them smile, <laughs> you know, showing, you know, those typical things when they're performing. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, so, yeah, I've been teaching for, I would say, about 20 years with the organization. Uh, I started off with the Greek school. My mother's also a dance teacher, so I'm following in her footsteps. Um, she began back in 86, actually, with the Greek school. Um, and she actually taught uh, and still teaches language classes there um, here in Halifax. She's the principal of this Greek school, actually. And uh, she teaches dance. 
And then I kind of followed in her footsteps. I was kind of like the person that, um, you know, growing up and dancing with our group, I was kind of the one that was never in the front, never wanted to be in the front. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be in the middle of the circle because I enjoyed that perspective. And I always didn't want the center of attention. And then one year we had like no instructors. And then I said, hello, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, and at that time I was teaching Greek school. And I was also teaching at the time there was a women's group um, under Romeo Cini as well. So I was teaching with them a little bit. And then I kind of up to the, the senior division. Um, and I'd probably been dancing for, well, I don't want to date myself right now in front of your audience. Um, well, I just say I've been dancing for roughly 35 years. Um, started at Greek school. Uh, and um, yeah, my, I, I just been doing it for a very long time. And uh, anyways, and for work, you know, a little bit of my work background, I do a lot of online learning. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like my bread and butter. Um, and uh, I'm basically a lifelong learner. I'll, I've always been in school. Uh, and I don't think I'm ever going to finish, guys, like I'll be honest with you. Um, and uh, I used to teach at, high, at a high school level. Then I kind of left that kind of area because it was a little bit hard for jobs and stuff. Anyways, I just went on to online learning. And then, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And I'm just trying to combine what I've learned uh, as, uh, as an educator and then hopefully hone that down into community-based education like Greek dance in our community. So that's a bit about me. I'm very passionate about learning and how we can do it better, um, especially within our communities now where, you know, mm. our culture is at kind of like a crossroads and um, it's so hard to keep people within the community and we want the culture to survive. We want the language to survive as well. My mother deals a lot of on that end. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and those are the struggles and I try and up the quality of teaching as best to, you know, uh, teach our dancers and to hopefully go away with it and, and, keep being interested in the culture and and i know they'll always will be but i'm always trying to get them away from like the um what is it uh i guess the analogy of the iceberg you know there's the tip of the iceberg which is like you know the opa opa uzo bottles uh anthony quinn dancing zorba and i always try and make sure that we go deep under that water level and really talk about traditions and cultures and history and context and stuff like that. So that's a bit about me in a nutshell. So I'm just very passionate and I feel like whatever I do and whatever my other dance instructors do, we try and do it extremely well so that it sticks with our, our dancers and, you know, and pass it off to their kids as well. So. So I'm curious, uh, I'm like with what you just described about how like you're involved in, in the dance program and got into it and all that, Something kind of like sticks out of my mind. I'm curious to hear what you have to say, but mm-hmm. um, what would you say you're most passionate about? Because you definitely, um, the education, like learning about the dance and all that, but then the teaching side of it, but it sounds like there's more in there from what you said. So I'm, I'm curious, like what's what excites you the most about mm-hmm. being involved in the dance program? Yeah. Yeah, I, that's actually a very good question. Um, I guess it's just, um, I'm just trying to mentor a lot of people and and to be, and trying to get some passion. Like I know some people uh, that come to dance, like you have different people that go for different reasons for dance. A lot of it is for social, which is mm-hmm. fine. Um, but for me, like I want, I, I guess part of the whole teaching and learning kind of thing is that I'm very empathetic and I, I really want them to grow um, as, as not just as dancers, but as uh, good kind of like citizens of 
Hellenic culture, you know? So mm-hmm. I, for me, it's a lot of it is like very intrinsic motivation. It's, it's not, it's not for fame. It's not for glory. I really feel I'm a very people person. I guess that would probably jive a little bit, but um, I, I don't know. I just feel like, I hear a lot from the Greek school and how, you know, I get some of those dancers later on and they don't even speak Greek anymore and, or they've forgotten about it. I just feel like I'm at the very end of this kind of spectrum where I'm like, okay, before they get off into the, to the more real world, I got to make sure I grab their attention and get them to be passionate. Um, I don't know. And I think it's just the way of, you know, volunteering because I, the, the position is not paid. It's purely volunteering in our mm-hmm. community. So I have that passion of just giving and, and not asking for any monetary, you know, purpose or anything like that. For me, it's just more so of just helping the community and, and I help in my own way, which is in the dance program. Others do it in different other ways. Right. So that's, that's, I guess that's what drives me is that, I want this community to keep going uh, as I do want other communities to keep going. And I think it's really important to start with the grassroots and just, you know, you plant the seed to, you know, let it flourish mm-hmm. later on. Right. So for me, it's about people and uh, especially with our youth, I'm trying to get them hooked a little bit more and a little bit longer. And actually we've been pretty successful. I mean, you know, generally speaking, our dancers have, I think once upon a time, there was this unwritten rule where, um, you know, if you were 24 years old, you should stop dancing. Right. You, what are you doing there? you like, what are you doing there? Get out of there. You're old. Yeah. Um, and I will say the last cohort that I had a few years ago, actually, before this group kind of came up, um, we were well into our thirties and that was, that never happened. And now we still have dancers now that in this new cohort of, of seniors, um, they're closely going to like, they've passed the, the expiry date, the old expiry date, they're passing mm-hmm. Many of them are past 25 and they're, they're like, I love dance. Like I'm not going to stop until my legs give out or something like that. So that's good to know. So I guess that's what drives me is just working with people and just really trying to drive with the community, I guess. I I don't know if that answers your question, but I could probably go on and on (laughs) really, but I think that's fun. Yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, that's a huge part of like why a Mm. lot of, a lot of us teach and a lot of us run these programs. I mean, most I mean, there are some programs out there that pay, but most of them do not. I know. So, you know, there isn't this monetary reward that we're going after. Yeah. Um, so it's 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 exciting to hear people that talk about their motivation, their drive for doing it is about mm-hmm. preserving and keeping these traditions, not just keeping them alive, but right. teaching it and sharing it in a way that makes the next generation excited and passionate about mm-hmm. carrying it on and doing the same thing one day as well. So, yeah. cause that's, I mean, that's really all we have is, you know, if we don't make that impression on the kids now, mm-hmm. then, you know, where does it go from here? What's, yeah. you know, we're not doing it to beat them with the ruler and say, yeah, <laughs> <"Right."> no. <laughs> Thankfully, well, you know we've what? grown out of that. <laughs> yeah, thankfully. I mean, you know, that, that was the old school way. But I, I will say, though, like during COVID, um, you know, we tried the best we could to keep uh, dance practices going as long as the government allowed us to do. And I'll be honest with you, like COVID didn't really hit us that hard compared to other parts of Canada or the U.S. So mm-hmm. we actually started in October, uh, maybe a couple of weeks later than what we should have started. But we had dance practices um 
for the most of the year, actually, last year. Um, and uh, I think the government did like a lockdown, I think about a couple of times during that time. So like we missed the month of May because we were in our third wave at that time. And then uh, in November to the new year, they had a lockdown because the holidays were coming up and the cases were going up. But the one thing that like we're kind of like concerned and what we don't know what what the ramifications of COVID-19 would be is not within our group, but with the Greek school, because mm-hmm. a lot of parents um, back in late August uh, were very hesitant of even sending their kids to Greek school and let alone having them touch hands and or even not even touching hands, just trying to get children not to be so close together. So they actually ended up canceling dance for last year. And, um, and don't forget the year before dance was canceled from March and onward. So we're going to see what those ramifications have been. Um, but like, anyways, I guess back to the point, uh, you know, like we're trying to do our best to keep it going, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what COVID has brought in um, mm-hmm. with some of the kids that are coming up because some of these kids haven't performed since they're in grade four. And now they might have an opportunity to perform this year coming up. That'll be interesting. Um, so that's why we try and do our best to have a practice as best as we can um, and uh, not take it for granted. Um, yeah. So anyways, we, and people showed up, which is great. Um, but yeah, we, we do our best, you know. That's huge. And I think, you know, I mean, we can all guess and kind of um, hypothesize about what the ramifications of COVID might be. But, you know, what the sense that I'm kind of getting is almost that it's having a a springboard effect that people mm-hmm. want so badly to get back to what they've done and, you know, to not let this stand in their way and, and all that right. kind of stuff, or to be able to do as much as they can while being safe to whatever they feel is, is their level, their threshold of safety. Um, right. That I think there's so much more engagement and there's, it also seems like there, in my opinion, and this is just like a speckle, you know, I haven't mm-hmm. done research on this, but that people want to dig deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, the fact that people were and may still be restricted from like traveling to Greece or, right. you know, international travel or gathering or whatever has had a different effect. Um, mm-hmm. Where probably last year, Evan and I were talking about like, oh my gosh, people are not going to want to get back into this because they found other things to occupy their time. Right. And now it feels like people missed it so much that. Yeah there there's that drive to get back to it and i think you know i think that's so important um and one thing i want to touch on this is going to take us probably down an interesting road but whatever um interesting roads yeah so and i i actually um i don't have all my ducks in a row and all my facts here so i might be like (laughs) kind of misspeaking but when you talked about your iceberg right that like people see what's kind of on the top like you know the showy showy the omega vibes bentozali like that kind of a thing right yeah exactly and we all grown yet if this was like 20 years in the past maybe a little bit more we probably were all up there like jamming out to omega vibes at some point in time um (laughs) i was talking with a friend and i don't i have not seen this video because i just i'm not cool enough to watch this kind of stuff but um Cardi B and Lizzo came out with some sort of a song that goes yeah. along to the movie Hercules, right? Mm-hmm. And people were all in an uproar about the cultural appropriation and how mm. they were kind of, you know, labeling Greeks a certain way or, you know, taking from Greece and making it their own and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff, right? And 
you know, kudos to Lizzo because apparently she posted about the Greek fires to, you know, yeah. she posted with a video, which good for you. You have a platform and I, great. Good yeah. for you. Um, but what I told this person, what I found was so funny was that, and this is probably going to piss some people off who are listening, but whatever, <laughs> contact me if it makes you mad. I, I do that all the time. So go ahead. <laughs> a lot of times Greeks that think that they're super Greek are culturally yeah. appropriating in their day to day, right? They're like, you know, focusing on that tip of the iceberg, like, mm -hmm. you know, the opa opa, let's go break plates everywhere. Set some stuff on fire. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And not that that's not part of traditional Greek dancing in some aspects, like the fire, you know, we can, we can argue about the plate breaking, that's not a yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, but I was like, now people care about this? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I got real miffed at Nike when they used the Greek letters. I hated when Beyonce did that because I'm going to piss people off all day today. I'm in a spicy mood. I'm not a Beyonce <laughs> fan. People who are listening, come at me. Find me on Instagram. not a fan of Beyonce. Um, but what strikes me as so odd is that people got so riled up about this, but they don't take, some people don't take the time to mm -hmm. learn about truly what is Greek culture right. and Greek heritage. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why like what, what people who are on this podcast do and people who are not on this podcast, because obviously we haven't interviewed everyone, yes. is so critical to mm -hmm. the true preservation of what is below the tip of that iceberg. Right. right? Mm -hmm. Like we could all live without the oppa oppa, you know? Mm -hmm. But if we lose what's below that iceberg, dang, we're in trouble. Mm -hmm. We're in trouble. Absolutely. It, it's interesting that you bring that up because, um, yeah, I, I, just like you, I, I, I'm probably going to upset a lot of people. Um, I think, and we, we go through this with our community as well, because, um, you know, when we put uh, Cretan or Pontic music on, people are like, what's that? What's that? You know, and, you know, like... To, to their defense, I mean, if if you're only from parts of Greece like Peloponnesus and Rumeli, which is what mo the majority of our community is from, actually, we hardly have any Northerners. Uh, no one from Macedonia, barely, actually, I'll say barely. Um, we have some Islanders. Uh, we have some, we do have some Cretan, including my my Thea, she's from Crete. Um, but most people, they associate the clarino, and if it's not a clarino, forget about anything else, but like, if it's not buzuki, clarino, anything that they're used to hearing mm -hmm. uh, in their choria, that's it. Like, there's nothing else to really learn. That's, you know, sitong tzamiko all day long at the Greek festival. Why are you guys showing other dances, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this is sometimes coming from first gen, from some first generation immigrants, right? So um, it's, it's really frustrating because, yeah, they can get their, they can get all angry of what, you know, the Nike debacle, which was, I mean, come on, like, you should know that Sitona is not, Right. Um, but I don't know if they were trying to do it to be funky, to use like Englishy. I don't know. I, I don't want to get into that because that really. But I had the same kind of feeling, Maria, when when that came up. I was like, people are calling for cultural appropriation. Wait a minute here. Uh, I could talk about <laughs> and these people exactly who complained about. It, I'm like, um, you made some pretty damn bad comments on dance uh, in our group and so I think I think what it is is um, you know people because they think that they've grown up in a culture 
um, that they think that they just know everything. And I think they take the deeper parts for granted. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that is their truth. The, the truth that they sure. see is like, we have a Greek community, we have a Greek festival, we visit family in Greece. That's all they think that there is. And, and that's all they really care about sometimes. It, that might be something that um, is a barrier to maybe learning more. Mm-hmm. But then there's us who keep asking questions. And I mean, if they're not asking any more questions and saying, well, I got my Uzo, I got my Flaming Saganaki on fire. <laughs> I have Zorba playing in the background. That, that's my Greece, you know, that's my Greek. Mm-hmm. But for, for me, it's kind of like, well, you know, there's, there's more to it. Um, but I keep asking questions and that's why we get down to these rabbit holes. And what we try to do with our dance group, like we do dance, like our repertoire is mostly traditional, but we, but because we do have a Greek festival, mm-hmm. we are mandated, mandated <laughs> that we have to perform the, the, the style dances, which are mm-hmm. choreographed. And we have to, because we're told to, mm-hmm. and they want that, they want that in the evenings when the festival's towards closing and they want a big show. That's fine. But you know what, though? There's been times where, um, you know, I'm going to be very careful with what I say here because this could land me in trouble, but I I don't mind saying this. But, like, there's been some... When we've brought up teaching and teaching from different parts of Greece, and this is not a lot of people, this is some... Mm -hmm. But it's, but it's still there that there's this kind of like, they don't like hearing any, anything that they hear beyond the clarino is not Greek. And that's a, that's a big issue. And this is, like I said, it comes from some, from some first gen and it comes from sometimes their kids. And um, I'll tell you the arguments we've had with past community councils when, or in past individuals in the community that would say, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Say, what? Do you, do you know what you're talking about? Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, what? You mean the Zedekiko that came from Asia Minor? Did you know about that? <laughs> so talk about cultural appropriation in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. but of course between Greeks. But um, people just, I think they just are used to what they're used to and then that's it. And anything that's, deviates that's different that they've never really listened to or heard or seen before to them it's not Greek I think mm-hmm. that that's that's an extreme that I've encountered in my past 20 years mm-hmm. and it's frustrating and that's why we drive it with our kids and not only do I teach steps I bring out a map they make fun of me I have my laptop there I have a second <laughs> portable monitor and I'm like okay here's a map we're doing Podo and just to let you know my papu's from Podo he was born in 1912 in Bodo, he escaped the genocide there, okay? So I'll show them a map. I'll bring my lira, because I have a lira. I don't play. That's another story for another podcast. There's a, there's a funny story to that, but anyways, we'll get on with that. But I'll, I'll show them a little bit of show and tell, and I'll tell them, you know, and I won't take much time. I'll take 10, 15 minutes just to describe this is the area, this is the history. Here's the lira. Hold it. Don't break it, please. Uh, this is a dauli. If you guys are interested, I can teach you a little bit of basics on dauli. And I try and really get them interested in saying, you know, this is this is our culture. And and if it's another region like Thrace, I'll say, you know what, this is our culture, too. And here's here's the map. Uh, if we're teaching dances from, let's say, Anatoliki Romilia, which we've taught, you know, the dance from Monastiri, I'll show them a map and I'll say once upon a time there were Greeks there. There were Greeks there, and then they they were moved, just like in Asia Minor, just like in Podo, just like in Eastern Thraki. 
they removed as well. And I'll tell them, you know what? The song, uh, what was it? I think it was um, uh, the song Topapaloma. Mm-hmm. Well, if you go back, it's it's actually an Asia Minor song. Oh, interesting. That's not titled Topapaloma. I think it was popularized with that lyrics. Uh, I think it's called, uh, and it's in Turkish, actually. It's Hamsi uh, Dudavaya or something like that. And they sing it in Bodos, in the Bafra area. So I'm like, know who your daddy and mommy is, <laughs> which it comes from somewheres. And then you guys dance with as a Kalabatiano. You guys know, <laughs> to that extent, what you're dancing to in the Zebekiko, which was brought by Asia Minor refugees and popularized... They help popularize the taverna and all this stuff that, that you guys think is the only truth. So I think that's what it is. I, I know I could rant on this for a very long time, yeah. but uh, it's it's frustrating. And from a small community where we don't have a lot of people from different areas, like I always say Montreal and Toronto are very blessed because they have Silogi. And that yeah. kind of helps a little bit with the communal learning. Oh, you know, they're putting some Cretan songs on and you get used to it. But I feel like sometimes, um, you know, when you're in a smaller community and everyone's from generally the same place, anything that you go outside the bubble, it just sometimes it turns heads. And a lot of people, I would say most people are happy and they're like, oh, bravo, those were great dances. But you get the odd people that sometimes will say, ah, what the heck is that? What's a mm-hmm. zulna? Sounds really bad. Yeah. But little do they know, back in their Korea, before the clarino was introduced, they had zurnadas, and they still do in those places, <laughs> right in Rumeli. Anyways, I could get, I could talk about this all day, Maria, but it, it's one of those things that do grind my tears sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I just, I think, you know, and there's no, there's no shaming. Like I would rather somebody be the like Anthony Quinn into mm. that type of Greekness, and I, I understand the value of that because Evan and I like we yeah. we weren't mandated to have that type of performance but sometimes we had court uh, choreographed shows like that that would like mm-hmm. bring down the festival like that's people want to see there are two things that people want to see they want they also want to be entertained so you have the tradition right. and then you have sort of that that entertainment mm-hmm. um value if you will that some people mm-hmm. are looking for and again there's nothing wrong with it um mm-hmm. you know but there's so much reason why it's important to preserve what is below the tip of that iceberg. Exactly. But a, yeah. a big a big thing there to differentiate is it's one thing to know that to claim Zorba is the epitome of Greek sure. dance mm-hmm. and blindly say that and not know any different is one thing. But to perform a Zorba choreography, whatever, knowing that this was, you know, a modern day creation, basically. Right. You know, does it have roots in other traditional dances? Yes. I mean, it, it was inspired. It came from someplace. Is it the tradition? No. Mm-hmm. So I think that is a huge distinction in terms of right. when we're talking about a dance director that, you know, okay, we need to do a flashy dance. It's not going to be your traditional dance per se, but understanding yeah. that. And, and I think it's, it's understanding that when you put it together, but also making that clear to your students mm-hmm. to differentiate. We're, we're, I'm not up here preaching to you saying that I'm teaching you traditional Greek dance right now. No, this mm-hmm. is a modern day interpretation of Greek dance. Exactly. We're going to do it. And this is, you know, it, we're doing it under these pretenses and whatever, you know. So I think that is an important distinction to be made. Mm-hmm. You're not going to take that Zorba to an FDF competition and... Oh, my God, no. 
Hey, if you're doing traditional dancing, no, because we know better. Mm -hmm. I think that's the important thing in all this is not to shame anybody who is doing that. Sure, exactly. If you perform Zimbekiko, you perform Galamatiano to some, you know, modern day, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know. Yeah. uh, And and you do Zorba, like, that's fine. You do, you want to highlight Siftedelia and that's fine. Just yeah. know what it is and know where it came from and make sure you're teaching that correctly to your kids. Exactly. You're explaining that this is not hundreds of years of dance. This is, you know, modern Last day. week's. <laughs> Last week's <laughs> recipe of something to put together, right? Like, exactly. Right. Like, but like yeah. Zembekiko. Zembekiko mm-hmm. comes from the Turkish word Zembek, which mm-hmm. is, the Zembek is the boat. I mean, it's, not really a Greek dance by any means, but mm-hmm. we've made it into our own. We've right? made it into our own, and it's okay. I certainly will go out and dance to Zambekiko when the music is right. It, but I understand exactly. what it is, where it came from, and I can place it. I can also mm-hmm. turn around and do a Naptaliko and a Gatsilama and all those other things, and I can mm-hmm. appreciate those. So, yeah, and to one up, uh, one up, one more thing that you said, Evan, about like letting your dancers know. It's also letting the audiences know as well, because a lot of audiences think when they come to a festival, and I'll be honest with you, from the people that I talk to, um, uh, you know, they, they want to see, they think that they're, that they're seeing something that is traditional, and in their minds, uh, I'm thinking that they're trying to really see something that. Is something organic and and you know I, you you even see that like a lot with travel now like people want to go to places but they don't want to go to the tourist traps they want to go where the where the real where, where the people go and eat or where they go and hang you know what I mean like so like a lot of them have this uh, misconception that when they go to this Greek festival they think that they are seeing something traditional but if we don't say anything when the group comes up and introduce what they're doing they think that they're seeing something that is traditional and what we have done uh, is. You know, when they go up, let's say my group dances, uh, dance from Antoliki Romilia, and we bring out like the DVZ and the Camila, which we've done. Uh, we explain what the heck it is you're seeing, and it's not just dances, but it's also a custom. But when we, when our group goes out late night to do their Averna, we say that these are modern dances. We explain to the audience these are modern dances that have traditional roots, but they are, they are choreographed. And we mm-hmm. kind of explain that to them as well. So at least they come to the festival and knowing what it is that they're watching, which you don't hear that from any other kind of cultural groups. You don't hear that. You see like the, the techno mm-hmm. ethnic music and they're in costume, like they're actually in full guard costume. And you kind of know, like, I know that this is not traditional, but that's the Greek mind. But a lot of people think, oh, this is great. This is fantastic, right? Um, so, you know, I think it's really important to tell the audience what it is educate them but also to entertain them at the same time right mm-hmm. so i think that's also important too evan yeah like from what you were saying like dancer and then even the audience letting them know what they're watching mm-hmm. and it's funny because like zorba if you really look at the music it starts off with a hasapiko and then uh it goes into like a hasaposevico the music actually the to the hasaposevico is actually a cretin sirto uh and there's controversy because they think mm-hmm. mikito doraki took uh, i think it's called if you listen to it, if you go on YouTube, and by the gentleman of Kutsurelis, if you YouTube him, you're going to hear a song from the 1930s and 40s. Literally, that tune. So there's a bit of controversy there, too. So, I mean, it came from somewhere, and then it became a um, but it's actually probably Cretan. Uh, and remember, Zorba the Greek, if I remember correctly, 
is based in Creed, uh, I think. Yeah, I, to be honest, I have never seen it. I've seen it, but I just can't remember. But I think <laughs> Alexis Obas was, uh, I think it was from Creed. Anyways, I'm just saying, like, you know. So anyways, I just thought I'd bring that up. But um, And people don't know that, right? Unless mm-hmm. you ask questions and start digging. And if you're a dance teacher, you're hopefully going to be digging and, and, you know, understanding what's going on, right? When you're teaching totally. your, your students. But yeah. And I think, I also think that you have to, and we've talked about this in prior episodes and mm-hmm. we talked about it when Evan and I were, you know, helping out when I was up in the DC area, helping out with the dance mm-hmm. group. Like there, there has to be some hook for the kids and like, you know, it may not be that they, they get, they catch that fever from like a traditional dance, but it mm-hmm. may be that they're at a Goya dance and they're doing something to like a modern song and all their friends right. are doing it. And then that brings them into dance, like totally, totally cool. But mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that it rests on the instructors to really, mm-hmm. really, really do a lot of education. And I think right. um, some people are up for that and some people aren't. But the beauty is, is that we now have resources because way back in the day, and I'm sure Aki, like if you talk to your mom about this, I'm, I'm sure she's talking <laughs> about this. There wasn't really anything out there. You had what you had and that was it, you know? Yeah, I mean, there was uh, the good old VHS tapes of someone doing uh, a dance. And I mean, that's all you had. I mean, the way our our dance program was kicked off was uh, somebody from Montreal coming down back in 86, um, who's, I'm not going to name names, but people in Canada will know who I'm talking about because we talk and have conversations (laughs) about this. Um, You know, they, they came in into Halifax and they started teaching dances. We bought costumes at the time. Um, and that's all we really knew. Like, oh, wow, is this a Cretan Sirta? Let's dance this Cretan Sirta. Is this, um, what was the dance? Pilioritikos, which I don't think even exists, but they taught this dance called Pilioritikos and there was a big story behind and you got you guys know what I'm talking about, like the the string and leading to the mentor, and that's why you do these oh, zigzaggy yeah, lines. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. So <laughs> apparently is not a thing, right? So, and, but what I'm saying is, this is what we were taught, and my mother says the same thing. Like, you know, this is what we were given, and I'll tell you, for my mother, it was it wasn't until she went to Greece in '96 where she went to a conference, uh, a dance conference there, and that opened up her eyes seeing uh, instructors like, um, uh, who's one of them, Nico Zunadzili, who's very yes. prominent in the Pontic culture. Um, you know, she was taught by him uh, back in 96. And then I think it was Vasilis Lanzos, who does Anatoly Piromilia, the, the Black Sea area of Anatoly Piromilia. And then that really opened up her eyes. She said, what the heck are we doing? But, you know, but she'll even say, you know, those are the resources we had. But then as soon as she came back from Greece, she wiped that all clean and started from scratch and taught the traditional stuff that, you know, from all these instructors that we know and heard of even today. And, um, and I think that's key too, because even though we're given something and we're told, you know, back in the day, this is it. Now we do have a lot of resources. And I think also speaking on COVID a little bit, I think it's brought out a lot more information. Like I've, I've noticed, like, mm-hmm. forget about the Zoom dance practices that they're that they go on i'm not a big fan of those but it, it's great that you know to keep people together and stuff but there's been a lot of um talks from dance instructors yeah. that just give like lectures and stuff and that stuff that sometimes to get out of them is hard to find too yeah and, yeah. and i think covid has been a springboard for that as well i feel like a lot of really good information 
for, especially for us people in like in the diaspora where we don't still don't have a lot of access to a lot of stuff. Yeah, we have YouTube, but we all know YouTube can be um, good and also hot garbage, right? Mm-hmm. We know that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that uh, Dr. Google can't solve all the problems to Greek dance because <laughs> you don't know who your, your, I don't even know who this instructor is and they blogged about something. Mm-hmm. So like, it's good that you, that finally, um, in Greece at least, that they've kind of um, made the distance between us and them a little bit smaller because with COVID, they went on, they invited instructors. I was on numerous uh, talks that I watched and and listened to and uh, the amount of historical, geographic, anthropological information alone is stuff that you can't still find today unless you pay an instructor to come down from that region. But now, like, there's a lot of good stuff on there and a lot of them are free. You could go on and sometimes people have left them on YouTube for public and you can go in there and, and, and have a listen. Right. And I was very thankful for that happening because you can buy as many books as you can. Sometimes they go out of print, the CDs Mm -hmm. sometimes go out of print, especially when they have nice booklets to them, which sometimes those booklets are amazing. Um, Mm -hmm. But sometimes when they go out of print, what do you do? And especially with us in the diaspora, where do we go? You know, in Greece, okay, they can hop in a car, <laughs> find that person, go to a seminario. But for us, there's, and that's part of my little bit of a beef with the Greek dance world, and especially with the research world, is that we still need to do better with resources. Yes, we have a lot more now. That's great. But I feel like we need even more. And even those talks that they gave during COVID, I hope they still continue them mm-hmm. in a way. Because, my God, for us, uh, outside of Greece, it was fantastic. And seeing instructors that you were taught and you're like, oh, my God, they gave more than that little than those little PDFs that you get in your information packets when you go to a conference. They were blurting out for three hours. Mm-hmm. And that was that was good. So anyways, yeah, I mean, the stories I have to say about some of the dances that we used to do back in the day are very similar to a lot of groups because they're like it must have came from the same source. Right. But it's also but also like it's very important on the dance teacher too to not get married to the old to that way and sometimes that's hard because if you've been doing it for so long some people like to hold it and say no 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 this is what i was taught and it's like you gotta you gotta first ask yourself one thing where does greek dance come from if you can't answer that then of course you're gonna hold on to that but for me it's something that comes out of the village and to me if the villagers do what they do then that to me generally speaking is traditional traditional in a in a large sense but there's people who are married to the dance teacher and the materials that have come from so far ago that we know are not traditional and they're just married to them because i don't know it's sometimes it's a it's a shift of thinking that you it's more of a psychological thing that you gotta like get them to go to the other side and shift over because sometimes they won't accept it you know and and for my mother it was like click yeah Mm -hmm. done and she knew she knew this is choreography you can kind of tell like this is not people Mm -hmm. dancing in rows and rows and doing their uh super high kicks to the point where they rip their pants is is probably not you know not traditional right but you know anyways it's just it's, it's a fascinating topic to talk about but i'm so happy that one silver lining out of COVID, at least for me was being able to participate in these zoom talks and mm-hmm. being able to see people and talk and, and get more information because context is very key to learning. It's not just the steps. Oh, absolutely. And if you think about like what an instructor, you know, both of you teach more than, than I do, when you guys are teaching steps, your brain is in one 
moving at one speed and, and moving in one motion. And you're trying to tell people, you know, the, the what behind that. Right. But you mm-hmm. also have to like focus on teaching the step properly too. So that exactly. data dump that, you know, all the background stuff doesn't come out as much when you're right. teaching. Um, like exactly. I can definitely think about probably two teachers that I know that do a really excellent job of being able to do both. But I think mm-hmm. it's challenging because you're like, I'm preparing to, teach to get these people, whoever I'm teaching by the end of my seminar, to be able to do these dances, Right. I'm not giving a lecture. You know what I mean? I'm giving a right. tactile lesson. Um, yeah. so I agree. I, some of those, um, zoom events, they had one, a few for, um, the Hellenic dance festival. They did like mm-hmm. a series. Um, and I'm, I'm blanking on what it was exactly called, but super beneficial. And you would just yeah. listen to people and you're like, holy cow, like the amount of information that they have up here is just yeah. mind blowing. And, and you know what, it's, it's something else that I've noticed um, as well, generally speaking. And I don't know if, if you guys would agree or if you've seen this, but I feel like a lot of um, instructors, including ourselves in the diaspora and including researchers, sometimes they work in a silo and sometimes and it's very hard to get information unless you bring them down, right? And there's not a lot of sharing on the internet. And I'm not even just talking about, you know, like, oh, go record yourself and show steps, right? I'm talking about more of the context. Like there's a lot of, uh, there's some good information out there on certain things. And you know that these instructors, like they attended conferences and they blogged about it. That is so beneficial, but I feel like the research world, I feel is, is very siloed and everybody in a way has their ego and, you know, I've researched this area, I'm right, you know, and sometimes, you know, oh, call me to do a dance conference. But, you know, it's, and it's funny from like the academic world where people like they publish and then they talk up in the world of academia and they'll say, well, this person said this and, you know, I don't agree with that. And here's my research. Here it's like X person's research and then that's it. It's a silo this person's research on the area is a silo. You know what I mean? And I feel like people keep it so close. And I, I hope because of COVID, people have opened up a little bit. I hope it continues because um, we have to start, in my opinion, I think it'll be beneficial for our culture in order to survive, to continue that kind of sharing and openness that we don't that's, normally get. I think that's the key because our culture has survived for so many hundreds, thousands of years because it was openly shared. I mean, right. it's different yeah. now because it's more of a global community. Mm-hmm. I mean, back in the day when it was each island stayed to themselves, right. but that also preserved what they had. So exactly. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of the sharing of knowledge, I mean, anybody who's going out there researching and doing all this work to mm-hmm. figure out what the traditions are, but then you fall short of actually sharing it with, your fellow Greeks, like, okay, well, what's mm. the point of doing it? Because if you're doing it for the right. glory of it, then you're missing the point there too. So, right. you know, it, it's, I've definitely, I agree with you that in this past year, two years, I've seen a lot more sharing happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I 100% support and agree with the notion that we need a more academic, more academia kind of approach to it where, we're researching it, we're publishing it, but make we're making it accessible to everybody. And I get like the people who have dedicated their life to this and depend on that for their livelihood. Of course. I'm not trying to minimize that and say that, okay, Mm -hmm. it's not valuable what they're doing. It's, it's beyond valuable because 
I'm not a researcher. I know that I don't have what it takes <laughs> to go and <laughs> put the time and effort into, you know, diving into the why we do what we do. Cause it's, mm-hmm. you know, and I say that, I, I say that we've had this conversation with a few people. Re- being a researcher is not, oh, I went to that village once on vacation. I took a, a video <laughs> of the p- villagers doing a dance. So I know, yeah. I know everything about that dance. No, mm-hmm. like, Research is asking the questions. It's talking to all the people. It's figuring mm. out the backstories. It's getting in with the musicians and, you know, yeah. understanding that, okay, well, this person who did it in the line isn't actually from this village. They're from mm-hmm. the next village over. So their style wasn't actually representative of this. Right. Like, so just right. on, on the surface, a researcher who just, you know, saw it and do it once in the village is not a researcher yeah yeah and, and, and I, remember, I will not call myself <laughs> no no no. but, but uh, i think didn't yvonne hunt say that uh you know just because you turn on your camera during a funny giddy yeah. um, does that mean that you've done your homework or something like that and it's true i mean and look uh i don't want to like discourage anybody who, who has done that but i mean they need to no. know also that it's not just the methods to do research it's it, there, there's beyond that you know, you could, anybody can turn on the camera and everybody has a, a smartphone and they yeah. just turn on the camera, but what it is that you're actually trying to get out of it. And, and, you know, like you, yeah, I, I understand. Like I've gone to like a Pontic Panigiri, uh, where was it? I think it was in Katerini. Uh, actually it was one of Kiriako Mosidi's uh, seminars and there's like thousands of people there. I'm telling you right now, if you're going there to do research on dances from, let's say, Trapezuda, Good luck when you turn on that camera because first of all, you're this is a pan pontic panigiri. <laughs> you're not going to get what you're looking for. I mean, unless you're looking at like, um, unless you're like really thinking and saying, what are some phenomenons that happen at a pontic pan pontic panigiri? That would be a good source of well, information. You know, and that's putting it into context again. Yeah. So- if that was your research and that's what you're going to teach your students mm-hmm. or perform someplace, provide the context with where your information came from and yeah. cover yourself. Yeah, because exactly. It's, it's just, for me, it's this whole notion that we put out this content without any context to it. And then we just continue to disseminate this false narrative in some regard. Yeah. Okay. You know, my group just, danced mechanicos and this is how Mm -hmm. i learned but you know where did i really learn it from Mm -hmm. is it really the traditional way like so am i perpetuating a false narrative or am i representing the true tradition there you know like that's important to know and and you know what i've done um especially with uh pontic dances because those are my specialty right i've i've been i'll be honest with you um like from 96 when my mom came to that went to that seminar in Greece. I think it was about 98. I think it was about a couple of years after I put it on. I was like, Oh yeah, I want to see what's going on here. And then I saw Nico Zunadidi dance and I was like, Oh my God, he's amazing. Like Pontic <laughs> dances. This is my, this is my area. Why didn't I, why didn't I do this earlier? Like one night anyway. So, but then what I do with my dance group is that like, I'll show the villagers dancing the same dances from that research. And I think what people need to understand is they need to understand first of all, like where that information is coming from. So you've got to teach them a little bit, like this is your primary source. What are primary sources? The villagers, um, having a panigiri with thousands of people there 
that's not a good that's not a good source it is a primary source of a paniyiri but if you're yeah. going to do research on a specific village you're not going to get that right so i always tell them like here's the dance i'm showing you and here's here here are the real people that are dancing just to show you where it's coming from i'm not making this up <laughs> we would go to conferences and these people who go to these conferences and teach are people who have recorded these people and not just recorded them once but have done it multiple times and have been to the same Korea and they've seen the steps over and over and over again so that they know that it wasn't just a one-off, right? And then that kind of like, I guess in research, we call that triangulation, right? It's like here, 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 it's all within this area, that parameter. And we know that sometimes, like many times actually, that not everybody dances the same, even though they're from the same Korea, right? But as long as you get it within that parameter and then you show proof and say, this is where I got it from, people will be like, okay, you know, hopefully they'll say, okay. But I mean, I always do that with my dancers. I always show a bit of the research, the raw research and say, this is where it's from. And you know what? They get hooked on that because mm -hmm. they love seeing a yaya getting up to dance achapa, you know, like, and, mm -hmm. and most Pontic people would say, what the heck? Achapa for women? That does not exist, blah, 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 blah. It actually does, and here's proof. Right? <laughs> so, and and, and that, that throws people off as well because there's this, um, uh, kind of notion over years and years that you see only men doing a certain dance that it's only men, but sometimes research breaks that apart, mm -hmm. unpacks it all and says, not necessarily, you know what I mean? So I always try and do that. I always try and show like the roots. Like if there's any, um, research material that I have on my hands, I say, here it is guys, here it is. Mm -hmm. This is where it's coming from. And I think it's important. And they love the videos. They love seeing the yeah, this dance. They, almost go in tears when yeah. they see them dance or the papu of this or you know or kids sometimes you see kids dancing beautiful um i saw some footage from naxo uh from a researcher actually from uh I think the university of athens i think he teaches and he was showing like really old footage of young uh kids from naxos dancing and balo and you're like oh my god these kids dance better than i do and they're six mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know so i always show that i always show where it comes from to connect and say yeah you know, Naxo is a thing that we talk about and it's steps, but here, here's what it looks like and this is what the, the people do and how they yeah. dance. And I think it's very important to do that. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. And we've used in the past, um, you know, the 2004 Olympics opening ceremony where they had mm -hmm. all of the guys doing, you know, Seranitsa, Sera, whatever Sera. it might have been. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, and what's funny is that the kids now who watch that they're like oh i was like not born or i was one and it's like oh my god dear lord of um, yeah that's painful it but is. just them seeing that dances that they may learn in a gymnasium or a basement of a church were featured in something a platform so yeah exactly as big as when the olympics returned to their home is is that spark it's that hook and then it's like look at their bodies and you know evan does this really really well because mm. you know some kids as you know especially with bondos being uh, an area of preference for you mm -hmm. they don't understand the tremor they don't understand yep that feeling in their bodies they're like giggly about it which okay i get it yeah. like they're you know 14 yeah. years old like it's weird but when they can yeah. see that on that stage and that 
it's not weird for all of those men, you know, however many were there, 200, I don't even have no idea. God knows I've lost count. Yeah. Yeah. Doing that. It's like, oh my gosh, it gives them almost like, um, probably in their minds, like a little bit of permission to yeah. kind of jump into that realm. And I, I just, yeah. you know, I think that's why, like, it's so important to use that stuff to harness when mm-hmm. you're teaching. Um, Absolutely. Also, it's just, it's so much for instructors. Like, I think some people, you said this kind of earlier that, like, some instructors just hold on to stuff for so long. Like, I would love to do a survey of the average age of, like, Greek dance directors in programs Mm -hmm. across the U.S. and Canada. Because it's probably quite old. Because I think some people get into that role and they just stay there for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. So, it's hard to get teachers to teach the way you think. Right, I know. It is. You know, um, but I, you know, I, I think if anything, things like this talks, discussion, understanding, like how you came into your research, it helps people to know like, oh, there's more that I can dive into, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it's pretty funny. Like I, I, I always joke and I say, you know, I took a bunch of, uh, people from Peloponnesus Rumeli dancing Pontic, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. And uh, at the same time, when you know, teaching the shimmies, uh, the halasman, as they say, uh, in Pontic, um, you know, like, it's first of all, they're like, okay, this is a bit awkward. But then they really try to do it, and they can't do it. So I, how do you teach someone to do the halasman? I always say, like, just let your body loose. You know, like, mm-hmm. don't tighten up. Because some of the times when they tighten up, I mean, Pontic dances seem like you're like beating someone up half the time. Um, but I'm like, you know, let go, let go, let your emotions just drive you to do it. And don't worry about how well you do the shimmy or, you know, or how bad you do it. Just let your, you know, your shoulders go. But sometimes they tense up and it's because this is a dance that they've never done before. And they know, they think that it looks weird at first, but when they've seen performances, as you said, Maria, like they're like, Holy crap. And I had Mm -hmm. one girl actually in our group, she came up to me and I'm like, I'm still trying to teach them how to do like the, the figuras inside Sarah. And I, and one girl's like, man, I saw a performance on, uh, and they were doing, doing Sarah and man, they can do the shimmy and you got to keep on them. Like they got to learn those shimmies. So I'm kind of like, I know we'll get there. We'll get there. Let's start off with the other steps. (laughs) Cause that is hard. That is a hard dance. I mean, teaching them the Tromachton part, the, 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 the basic step, which is, you know, it's, it's, and I've done instructional videos, like separate, where I've actually recorded my feet and only my feet and from the side view. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and building up, like, I'll sit, I'll dance, like, atik first. And then I'll morph into, like, atik tonyelidikon, which is, like, the medium kind of, you know, atik. Uh, and then I'll say, okay, now I'm doing tromachton. It's basically the same step, but you're doing it differently and you're, uh, your ankle, or sorry, your, the heel of your foot is trembling, and it's hitting the ground multiple times, and you're breaking it down, saying one tak tak, two tak tak, one tak tak. This is what you're doing. And anyways, it's just oh, piecing that whole thing together is so um, difficult. But at the same time, when they do the shimmies, the shimmies is the, probably the hardest part because they have to be aware of okay, I'm doing this figura, and it goes down, and it's shimmy, and then come back up and do this, and, and you know. And anyways, it's just. It's so interesting, and but I'm very proud that you know I took people who are not Pontic, uh, have no Pontic backgrounds at all, and just do it pretty good. Actually, I'm I'm yeah. pretty impressed, and it's taken four years, four or five years of teaching them that dance. Yeah. So, but uh, but I will say my girls dance a really nice achapat. I will say, and they do it beautifully. Sorry, I have to plug it. Plug my girls in there. 
No, so it's amazing. Is Bundos your favorite region to teach? Favorite region to dance? Um, or do you have another region that's? Yeah. So I, I love I love dancing from all over Greece, and that's what I do yeah. teach within our group. Um, Bundos was actually one of the later additions to our repertoire. Uh, I do. I would say the second most researched area that I've done, and when I say research, I mean like back you know, armchair research, but like uh, Crete uh, would be my second one. Our dance group does really, I mean, Crete is probably one of the the oldest repertoire that we have and the, the, the most extensive. It doesn't just go with the Fab Five, as they say. It goes to Western Crete. I have them specifically dancing uh, the Kisamitiko Sirto and nothing else. That's the only Sirto that they dance because I'm biased and it's my favorite Sirto and it's actually one of my favorite dances in all of Greece. When I hear mm-hmm. Sirto from Kisamo and I hear um, uh, the, 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 the music that comes from that area, uh, it, it makes the hair stand on one end, like for me, just as much as a set I would. I'll be honest with you. Um, and, you know, teaching them dances like Prignoti um, uh, from the eastern part of Crete, you know, I, I love those dances. And um, I guess I would say, you know, I love Anatoliki Romilia, specifically um, uh, the Monastiri area. And I love the Black Sea area, part of Anatoliki Romilia, because I will say, like, I have a very, um, I have a very uh, passionate kind of um, relationship with the Anatoliki Romilia from the Black Sea, because it was actually one of the first sets that I taught to the group when I became a senior division instructor. And I came from Greece at the time uh, from a conference where they actually taught dance Trombana. And I love those dances. They are so much fun. Um, And I will say one of the areas of Greece that I was very hesitant of always doing some research in, I was scared to death because we had choreographed versions in our dance group that were passed off um, and I finally got rid of them. I said, we're not dancing. Those are not traditional. But then I never replaced them with the real Sarakatsanika, the real Sarakatsanika, because I was scared to research into it. Um, but it was the Sarakatsani dances, and specifically from the, the Thracian, Eastern Macedonia uh, Sarakatsani. I love those dances now. And I was at first very hesitant. I was worried. I was like, there's so much. If you look everywhere, there's a lot of choreographies, even inside Sarakatsanika, right? And you're like, what is, it's so hard to find that good information. So I did some backtracking and I found um, researchers in the field. One of them was uh, Dimos Kikas, um, who's phenomenal. He's a Sarakatsano himself. And um, he teaches, I think, the Likyo Nilnidon in Drama. Very good group. Um, and he do, and I spoke to him personally, and he's done research all the way to Bulgaria of the Sarakatsani there. He's actually gone there. And I finally found things you know, and things went together and I'm like, I love these dances. I don't care if they're slow. I love it. And I'm not a person that's big into the clarina. I like hearing something else. I like hearing Lidus. I like hearing Gaida. I like hearing all that other stuff because you hear that stuff at parties and you get sick of it. And But man, those Sarakatsanika from Northern Greece is the polites, as they call them, uh, are my one of my top favorites now. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I guess I would say that as well. And Macedonia in general, uh, the eastern part of Macedonia is also an area that I that I really love. I love the um, specifically the Vlachka from eastern Macedonia specifically. Uh, most of those people came from the uh, Ogramustiani that came from the Castoria Ipiros area. And they migrated past Macedonia and 
I love their dances and I love the, I love the Vlachica, even though I don't understand them. I love hearing the Latin Greek in them and hearing that, you know, it's like, wow, this is cool. Um, so I have a love for that area as well. So it's not just Pontic. Pontic, I, Pontic was my long-term research obsession because it's in my background. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I love Crete. I love the Sarkatsanica. Um, I think Ipirotica in general, I love them. I think if anything really grabs my soul, more than anything is actually hearing Ipirotic music and dancing to Ipirotica. I, mm-hmm. I, my dancers think I'm weird. And I say, listen, you don't have to. I always tell them, if you don't like Ipirotica, you don't have a soul because it's soul food. It's beautiful music. And people need to be open to that. And you got to listen to the lyrics, which a lot of dancers don't do, right? They don't understand mm-hmm. the meaning of sometimes of the songs of the dances. And that's why I get them to sing it sometimes. And I translate for them for those who don't uh, understand Greek very well. Uh, and they're like, holy crap, this is awesome. So mm-hmm. um, anyways, I like everything. But I will say, Podos, Crete, Anatoly Kiromilia, Sarakatsani, those are kind of like in my my radar of, of you know, for, for dancing. And I love them. I love dances all over the place in, in Naxo. Um, I've done, I think I've... I think I've over-researched that area, but I love the Naxiotica city. Oh my God, the way that they dance and oh my God, it's just beautiful. I love mm-hmm. the, I love a good Naxiotica, so. Yeah. But not the Skilo Naxiotica that you see at the parties. <laughs> where people are going in and out with their caria. <laughs> uh, God, and I can never dance a Sirto with anybody at a party here in Halifax. They have to dance the Skilo Naxiotica, the Skilo Sita, where they're going in and out, the stuff that you see on like Sinayamas, where you know people wearing their mini skirts and their leather jackets, and they're like in and out, and people don't know what they're doing. And no offense to my friends, but like I just want to dance a nice cierto from Naxo, and they just put on Pario, and he's on 200 beats per minute, and Besa <laughs> and I'm just like, oh man, and I just don't have the emotional motivation to get up and dance when I see that stuff. I just usually sit down. But uh, anyways, that's my rant, I guess. <laughs> that's why me and Maria are always in the, me and Maria are always dancing in the, like on the corner of the dance floor, just the two of us and let everybody else do Good it. Because mm-hmm. we're just like, eh, we'll do it our, we'll do it the way that we know. Good for you guys. And then, and then you looks s- at us like, oh, you don't want to dance with us? We're like, no, we're good. <laughs> no, we're good. You know, we're having fun here. And, uh, you know, if you want to join, great. But we're just yeah. going to dance a sirto, and you guys can dance your patio sirto, which is fine. I'm not going to tell people how to dance. I love when, okay. the, when some people come over and they're like, which one are you doing? And I'm like, the right one. <laughs> the right one, yeah. I'm doing a sirto from Summers that has, you know, uh, a, a DNA. You know, not this other thing that's like, you know, and it's the same thing, too. Like, when I hear, um, you know, like, sometimes a modern band will play, like, a quatsari. Or Petuzali, people are dancing Casa Pacifico to it, and I'm like, oh my god. Okay. And then you go in there, but then the dancers come up and they're like, no, dude, we're with you here. Like, this is what are these are people that don't know what they're doing, and they're dancing Quatsari, they're dancing Petuzali when it really comes on. But it's funny seeing people dance at the Casa Pacifico, but I, I'm not going to tell them that they're dancing it like Stamata, like you're embarrassing of us. Just, don't go, go have your fun, but I'm exactly. going to do my own thing. So yeah. I'd rather Anyways. people are actually dancing at that point than not doing anything, but <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like, um, probably what people feel who maybe grew up with like, um, like true country music, if you will. Right. And then there's that like pop. Country. And don't get me wrong. I love I like country music, 
Um, mm. But if you think about like who were the founders, the originators, the roots of country music, right. and, um, if you listen to the Chris King episode, he kind of doesn't talk about country, he talks about like Southern blues and, right. and that kind of stuff. Um, but it's almost like Badio, you know, the poor guy, like, or like rant and rant. Fantastic his, voice. Fantastic but... voice. And he did what was probably in at some point necessary to continue the tradition for some of these dances was to popularize it so that you would hear, you know what I mean? But, um, Mm. and and don't get me wrong. Like I, I, we have fallen victim of using that stuff too, because again, people, it's that voice, it's that recognition, you know, it's that recognition. And they're like, Oh, that's audio. And you see the, here we go. And, uh, yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it's what everybody is accustomed to. And it's really hard to shift them away from that. Right. Like that's what they recognize, you know, like, especially the Cariotico from Barrio. And then you have, uh, Dionisi Savopolo who ripped off the poor people of Talinos that, uh, that, that, or whatever. Um, and then I think the island sued him or something, or I, I, something like that happened like 30, 40 years ago, I think. Oh, really? Or they tried to, yeah, because he popularized, their song, which is funny because they, uh, if you look at the research we talk, behind that song and that dance, uh, these people from Galino were um, sponge fishing even off of the coast of Africa, northern mm-hmm. Africa, and there's even research that says that they probably took it from there. So, so then they take it and then someone else appropriates it from them and then they sue. But it's, just, it's kind of funny, like how culture works yeah. and how, you know, those things are passed off. But yeah, I think he got sued and I can't remember what happened, what was... The result of that but um anyways yeah barrios everywhere is and uh, no one can detach uh there's a lot of people that think like Nisiotica it's barrio always barrio and i'm just like oh my god you know sure I mean, he's got a nice so, voice but whatever yeah <laughs> is there an area of greece that you don't love the dancing as much or that you, i'm gonna mm. put it two ways either don't oh, love the dances that much or is there an area of Greece that you feel like you need, you don't have enough knowledge of, or you want to dive into more because you're just not familiar enough with it? Yeah. So um, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't think I've ever run into a region that I would say I'm not a big fan of um, per se. The area that I would really like to dive in a little bit more um because I don't know very much. Um, and it's because I had a hard time gathering a lot of good resources and a lot of research behind it. What I would say would be Ipiro in general. Um, and not just so much of the Metsovo, Yanina area, but even like the outer areas of, of Ipiro, like, uh, you know, in some other provinces there. Um, I would like to know more about Ipiro and, and to dive in more because I love their music. Um, but uh, uh, there's nothing really that... I think that would probably be the last um, place in Greece or outside of Greece even um, that I don't know much would be Ipiro. And I think part of the problem is too, is that um, sometimes like we think as a dance instructor, like I want to put this on a performance. Will my dancers even like it? Or uh, will the audience like not, or will some people complain that it's too slow? So I think part of that, um, I guess part of that has driven me not to research it all these years too much because, you know, we spent time with Kritika, we spent time with Kodo, 
we spend time with the island because a lot of people love, you know, Naxos and we teach dance to Trumpados as well. Um, and, uh, you know, and we, um, and I guess we'll, we've always done Thracian and everybody loves Thracian. It doesn't matter if it's from Anatoly Emilia or even like Western Thracians, we would say. Um, but uh, sometimes you're just driven to, uh, you're kind of, shackled to the performance for a Greek festival or for a conference. Well, I wouldn't say for a conference, but for us, it's more so a Greek festival because you're always trying to put something on that is not too slow. Um, but for me, I would love to put Ipiro on the stage, but I think I've been just too busy um, kind of catering to my dances a little bit too much, but sometimes it's good to shake it up a bit and say, you know what, we're going to be teaching dances from here. They're slower, but you got to listen to the music, you got to listen to the lyrics, see what they actually say, and then try and do your best to really, I think you have to be very motivational and very um, showing that you like it as well and showing that passion, I think you can hook them there. But like we taught dances, um, actually during COVID, we taught dances from uh, the Pella area of Macedonia. And I always say to them, you know, they start off slow, but bam, they go off into this nice thing. But I always say to them like, you know, even the slow stuff, like I always tell them like, it, and this is just my opinion, but I always feel like the slower dances are sometimes the hardest ones to teach and the hardest ones to learn because you're accentuating not just the step, but you're accentuating the style. And sometimes the style, you can't cheat with a slow dance. Whereas if you're dancing Malavizioti, you can cheat because you're going fast. And as long as I see your knees kind of bending and you're on the balls of your feet, Great, you're in as long as you have your caria out here or whatever. Great, but when you dance like an epirotico or even like even a guide that to dance it really well, like you got to know the style and you got to be patient and you got to be one with the music to really bring uh, the dance out right. And I think mm -hmm. um, that's what I'm trying to teach them too is like, and they'll disagree with me, they'll say, Oh, Arky, you're telling me that Manavizioti is harder than this dance. I'm like, Listen, if you're gonna do it right. I would say yes, the slower dance usually would be the hardest one. Even a satria, which you can beat the crap out of in any region because it's danced everywhere, some form. If you're not dancing it right and don't have the style, which is usually overly accentuated at that time, if you, I can tell whether or not you know it well. And it's not sometimes it's, it's not the fast dances, it's usually the slower dances. And I'm like, that's how I test you to see if you really know and how good of a dancer you are is I want to see the style accentuated in the slow dance. And sometimes I test them on that and they'll disagree with me, but I'm just like, you know what? Um, it's not just moving to a beat, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I even had a, uh, actually an instructor in my PhD program just recently, he gave an analogy um, and this is nothing to do with music or dance, but he was saying even the, the break between music notes have some kind of meaning. <laughs> so I'm telling them like, just because you have a beat and it's very slow and you get to the next beat doesn't mean that there's no meaning there. There's something and there's style and I got to see it. Um, otherwise you're not dancing it correctly. So mm -hmm. uh, I always, anyways, but I, I feel epirotica is something that I've, I had received uh, materials recently, which is really good. So I can't wait to dive into more because I love those. I love those dances, but I need to wrap my head around them a little more. So mm -hmm. I, I would say that. I think Epiros was one of the performances we did that we kind of went into it thinking, all right, this is going to be our like cool down. Like the, right. the audience will just chill with us, whatever. We're not looking. And mm -hmm. it ended up being one of our like more well-received performances right. and we were like wow they were really into that mm -hmm. and i think 
I mean, what we we had an amazing opportunity to work with Costas Mitzis. Um, oh, he's a great human being. He beat us, mm-hmm. and he just, I think he inspired so much passion, not just in me, but I think all of our dancers. Mm-hmm. So when we performed it, I think we, we were really living it, and it wasn't just like, that slow i mean i feel like the style yeah. really came out the passion was really coming out and the audience mm-hmm. felt that and i think yeah so i mean yeah the cretan dancing where it's the high you know high yeah. energy music the high energy movements mm-hmm. that's like a easy automatic people are going to get into that but i really think our epirotico performance we did was one of the top ones we've ever done so yeah yeah and and you know what like um costa first of all is a, is a fantastic human being like he's he's awesome um i kind of keep in touch with him when i can and my wife is a big fan of him but because a she met him uh back in montreal when we were at a conference there and two he loves Lebanon. Yeah, La Grafia, I was there in 2011 with her and he was he was there but also he's uh my wife is lebanese so he loves Beirut and he went the first place he went to after COVID restrictions uh, kind of stopped, he went to Beirut yeah. <laughs> in Lebanon. So my wife is like a big fan of him. But um, like one of the most memorable times that I've ever had at a conference, um, it actually had to do with Ipirotico. It had to actually do with Konitsa, actually, when uh, Kostamitsa was teaching the dances of uh, Konitsa. And then they brought Nico Filippidi there and his yes. brother. And you had Marinaki playing the violi, and you had Yevili uh, playing uh, the percussion. And we came into that gymnasium, right? And I saw Costa there, and I was like, ah, Costa, I haven't seen you in like a couple of years. Um, and uh, my God, the, the way we entered in there, they had the live band there playing for our session, for our session, and they were playing. Um, some Miraloy or something. They were playing while we were entering the gym and they caught you like right away. And he was also singing with them and he was very passionate. And And I will say today, one of my, the most memorable conference sessions that I've ever had was that one. And it had to do with Costa, it had to do with Ipero, it had to do with Konica. And we had the Filipidi family there playing. It was awesome. Like, and it really, oh my God, like I, it still stays with me today. And I always tell dancers, like it, you guys would have really appreciated that. And people loved it. And especially having live music at a, at a dance conference for a session is even like top notch, but like that mm-hmm. to be there and have Kosamitsi, my God, that was just like, I'll never forget that. It, I was recording most of the time. I was like, I better stop recording and start dancing. Right. And I did. Oh my God, it was something else, guys. Like it was, yeah. it was something else. I think we were in the same session as you. Oh my God, we were definitely Are you there. And we, were, we were there, yeah. I better check my photos. <laughs> they didn't play every session live. No, no. They, I think they played that one. We're in a we, big yeah. gym. Yeah, and there we was like maybe that. like a. I don't want to say there was a stage, but they were. I remember like Mitzi's did. Yeah. Like the women to do the bow. Um, yes. I was talking about that for I a think while. Was, uh, the Nifiatico guide, guide or something. It was something, it was something yeah. Something. Uh, guys, we might have been, we might have messed. I'm telling you right <laughs> now. We might have yeah. met. Guys, I'm going to check my photos. Hey, we, we've, it's funny how many people we've crossed paths with <laughs> and not realized it until we did the podcast. We're like, we were in the same place, the same room, and we... Oh, my God. You know, Ten years yeah. later, we're finally actually talking and connecting. <laughs> that is awesome, guys. Like, I, I'm... I'm literally tonight, 
once my kids go to bed because I can hear, I, I hear them screaming. But like, well, I'm gonna go through my photos and be like, "Where is my dad? Where is my friend? Are they there?" Because right. we definitely crossed paths even if we were not in the same session. Yeah, definitely. we were at that conference for sure. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah. In 2011. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dear. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um, yeah. And you know, I think it's funny because when I think about that moment in that gym, mm-hmm. I wish. I knew the levity of that moment then. Mm-hmm. And would that have changed my experience? I don't know. Maybe it's good that I was a little bit naive. Like I mm. had, I met, we met Mitzis there because a right. very good friend of Mitzis I know, and we had him on the podcast before and he introduced us. Did I know who Filippidi was? Like maybe mm-hmm. I had heard of him, but I mean, I didn't really know. And like, yeah. it's almost like, in a way, I wish I knew, mm-hmm. but in a, the other side of me is like, I'm actually kind of glad I was naive to it because I just soaked, I remember soaking it all in and I'm very right. similar to you. Like, I don't want to be in the lead, like, no thanks. I'd rather just, mm-hmm. you know, blend in a little bit. Um, so like yeah. that attention, you know, and that nervousness of like, oh my gosh, we're dancing mm-hmm. and learning. And these people are like giants yeah. of Greek dance. I. I'm kind of glad I didn't know that because I think I probably would have like, um, you know, to give you an education term, as you know, like raised my affective filter. I would have been like way too nervous, you know. Um, but gosh, that was such a memory. That was such a great yeah. conference. I, one thing that you were really nervous of is at a conference. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. And um, like, I guess for me, like, and I wish the problem was that even that year I went by myself from Halifax. Actually, my wife came, but she's not a dancer. She just came for the vacation. <laughs> so, so she was doing her own thing. But like, I wish my other dance group members were there to actually witness something like that and to hear the live music and to, to tell them, you can feel the beat. He's a rock star in, in traditional Greek music. Like he's, he knows everything. My goodness. Like he knows not just within his Konitsa uh, area uh, and Ipiro, but he just knows everything and he can play everything. And I really, I, I really wish they were there because it's something that has stuck to me forever. Um, and it was such a great experience, but um, yeah, no, totally. Like, and I'm, I'm that type of, that type of person that just like, especially at a seminar, I hate when I'm in the front. I hate it. I always back off and I hide. Yeah. I just, and then, oh my God, I hate it. It's just, I'm learning and I don't want people seeing me yeah. fumble. Right. So, but yeah. anyways, it's, there's and, definitely a lot of pressure in the conference setting when, yes. you know, yeah, exactly. Or when the instructor is trying to show something and you need someone there like, to, to have yeah, something. They, like, see, and then you're like, oh, and then you're walking and they're like, hold me. And I'm like, okay. And then do the step. And then I'm like, oh, whatever. Yeah. I know. I hate those. I hate those. Um, we actually have another connection to Halifax, too. So, um, God, I have no idea what year this was. Probably, what, 2007? Yeah, 2008 probably. I don't know. I'm thinking like I graduated college we 2005. At, we were dancing at yeah. SUNY Albany then. Yeah, we were dancing at SUNY Albany. And I don't even know how this came about. Evan, you might be able to fill in the gaps. But somehow we received contact from this guy named Sava, Savas uh-huh. from Halifax, who was uh-huh. working in Albany, New York um, at the time or ish area um and he ended up and obviously we know him quite well um dancing with our dance group for like a significant oh, yeah. amount of time 
Yeah. yeah. He, he never performed with us, but he would come to practice. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Gosh, it feels I think like we ran ago. into him at a festival. I think that's how he like learned who we yeah. were, and then he reached out oh, about practices. Well, wanted... there you go. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So actually, yeah. so uh, just to bridge the gap even more. So I, I know who I know. The Saba. We were actually um, we have our Greek festival to go right now. Uh, we're we're not at our full Greek fest kind of thing it's just takeout right now mm-hmm. for food and there's no performances there's no nothing um so i was literally making gyros with saba yesterday in the kitchen so uh, i'll let him know <laughs> i'll tell him to listen to the podcast uh but that's so funny yeah and uh, actually saba's uh kids play soccer with with my family and i think they're going to be going to greek school together so uh, yeah so there you go that's so funny. i know i know saba very well um and i'll let him know to listen and I'll make sure uh, you guys say hi. And, should, yeah, I'm sure that's so funny. Like a critique because didn't him and his brother have like a radio show for so long or something? Like yeah, that? yeah, on CKDU. <laughs> it's 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 the it's the university's uh, uh, one of the universities here in Halifax has their own radio station and uh, a lot of ethnic groups, a lot of community Greek, uh, a lot of uh, ethnic communities do their own radio show on it as well. Like they have other genres as well, but um, yeah, they had a. Yeah, actually, the radio show has been going on for, I think, 20 or 30 years, but it wasn't started by them. It was started by someone else, and then they had taken over. Um, and I think his brother, who kind of kept it going, ended up giving it to someone else because yeah. it gets exhausting, right? Like, to go every Saturday and host the show, it's it's exhausting. But, yeah, that's that's Sava and even Those are friends yeah. of mine in Halifax. Yeah. It's so funny. Dance is a very small, small world, and just like yeah. I've said – we've realized so many times that like we've probably been in the same room or like held hands yeah. with people that we're interviewing on the podcast and we we're like, Oh, we don't know this person. Then we're like, Oh yeah, yeah actually we do. Okay. Sorry about the sweaty palms. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's me actually. I'm, I'm a sweaty palm guy, but uh, yeah, that's so funny. I'm, I'm, I, I am actually going to go through the photos and I'm going to be like, I'm going to be looking for them. So sure? I got to look for you guys. That's but, so funny. Uh, that is so funny. Small world. Um, so if people want to reach you or if um, people, you know, find themselves up in Halifax, um, how can how can they reach you? How can they learn more about your dance group? Right. Um, so we have uh, we have a couple of ways. Um, so there's um, uh, we have a website, uh, um that people can go uh, and find us there. Um, now we'll say the uh, the Cini part is spelled with S-Y, not I-N-I. It's mm-hmm. You know, so uh, if they find us there, um, we're also on Instagram. Um, and what we do is um, they can they can find me through there because I'm one of the account holders. But uh, they can find our dance group there. Uh, we post a lot of educational stuff. Um, like one of our things that we're trying to do this year, actually, with social media is uh, give awareness to the Hellenic genocide um, and trying to make more awareness of that and uh and how it's not just one region that had the genocide that it was actually you know eastern Thrace, uh asia minor i know i'll get some hate mail for saying that by one particular group uh, for saying that but um but yeah so we post a lot of stuff there and actually start posting dance memes on there just to kind of be cool and keep up with the kids um so you can find us there and uh, you can find me uh on instagram aki c7 or on Facebook, Akitsi. I don't go with my full name because I hate social media. Um, yeah. But they can find me. They can find me either way if they want to talk or if they have any interest on like anything with dance uh, in terms of like online learning that we've been doing with our group. Um, we're always open to. I'm always open to talking to anybody. So, 
yeah, they could reach me anywhere. So awesome. Aki, thank you so much. This has been really great. And for, you know, being our most Eastern Canadian (laughs) on the show, hopefully we'll have somebody from, we're working on some people from Ottawa. Um, yes. Hopefully the other side of Canada as well. So yeah, the Ottawa crew is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. The other, actually, the uh, just a brief thing. Uh, there's a, there's been a lot of intermarriage between Halifax and Ottawa. So, and all of, all it started at was at dance conferences. Either at, uh, well, mostly Cleonomia actually happened, but a lot of people met through Cleonomia, and yeah. they got married and had they have kids. Some some of our Haligonians have moved to Ottawa. Some of the Ottawa people have moved to Halifax. So it's funny how dance brings people together. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up that we have a special. 100% special connection to Ottawa so yeah and you know it's funny I like some yeah yeah had divine intervention or planning in all of this right she was like yeah I'm gonna figure out a way to get the kids together yeah (laughs) they after they drank their coffee it just was it read there oh you're gonna marry someone from Ottawa right and behold yeah and there was a fusanella too in there and (laughs) it had to be a a dancer from Ottawa (laughs) yeah exactly Uh, who knows Uh, you never know yeah, well, thank you for having me on your show, guys. It was really great, and uh, yeah, and, keep, yeah. and listen, keep doing what you're doing because I think this is really important, um, and it's good to have something that's English language based as well, um, because everything's in Greek, which is fine, but like it's always good to have um, something in the English language that talks about Greek dance, um, and also from the diaspora perspective as well. So keep doing what you're doing, guys. It's fantastic, and uh, you know I've been sharing your podcast with my group for a while. So oh, keep you. doing what you're doing. And uh, it's lovely. I've loved all the uh, people that you've had on so far. So, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. That's all. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah that means a lot. Um, well, if you all liked this episode, which I'm sure you did, please make sure to subscribe. Um, you can find us on Instagram, and we also have joined the TikTok world. I know. I don't even know really what I'm doing on there. Um, and I find myself watching, like, dog videos for about 45 minutes after I post something. So it's clearly, you know... <laughs> A really good distraction. But um, thank you all for listening again. Aki, thank you so much for being here. And we will be back next week with more shirts. <laughs>